everybody talks about what a ferocious corner you were. And of course, we will get to the Mel Blunt rule, how you completely change the game of football. And yet, I only know you as the most genial, friendly person. Well, that, thank you. That's a compliment. <laughs> I, I, um, what would your kids say? Would your kids say that you were the heavy? No, my kids would say that I'm the guy who kind of keep the wife uh, calm, you know. <laughs> <laughs> like most families, yeah, right? Isn't yeah. that how it usually goes? Yeah, Daddy, can you talk to Mom, please? <laughs> you know. <laughs> so you just took out all of that ferociousness, that beat down, that aggression, that violence on the field is what you're saying. Yeah, it was about competition. It, it really was. Um, and you got to understand my background, too. I'm the youngest of 11 kids. so. <laughs> hey, you know James Harrison is the youngest of 11, too? Uh, you know what? I, I heard that somewhere. I heard that. And, and there's something about growing up in, with a lot of siblings. <laughs> I mean, you, you just naturally, you're competitive, you know. And uh, But anyway, uh, yeah, when I played, I mean, it was it was really about competition, just trying to be the best and 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 doing your best and so but I can honestly say that football um, the things that I were able to accomplish with other guys is way beyond my wildest imagination well okay we are going to get to that we will get to the Mel Blunt youth home yeah we will definitely get to how a nice young man from Georgia with 10 older siblings somehow decided to stay in the city of Pittsburgh, where right now it feels about as frigid as yeah. it possibly could and is only going to get worse. Um, we'll talk about the Mel Brunt rule. If you're willing to, we'll talk about how you'll fix, how you would fix the secondary of the current <laughs> Pittsburgh Steelers. But before we do any of that, while we are live here at Minio's Pizza in Allison Park, which you did just eat, was it good pizza? Awesome. You know, I, I've never never heard of this place. Uh, and I understand they have locations uh, throughout the uh, Pittsburgh area. So I told my wife, and she did. I think she Googled and, and found one out in uh, somewhere out in South Hills. Mount Lebo. Yeah. And there's one in Squirrel Hill, of Squirrel course, Hill. close to the facility. Yeah, but the food is awesome. I, I, I just really... And it's good to see small business businesses like this, family businesses. You it's know, a third that, generation, third that, generation that's family amazing. pizza place. Yeah, that's that's awesome. So that's that's what America's all about. You know, right. just community, so, family, uh, and you know, obviously, just from looking, they do a good. They have a good crowd come through, and we'll see. You haven't told me yet if you want me to push the autograph. Uh, am I doing a? James Harrison, Joe Green type move and getting the autograph seekers away from you? Or do you like smiling for photos? Well, I don't, I don't mind it. I just think, uh, you know, it, it can be a distraction if we're, if we're doing radio and somebody comes up. We definitely won't let so, anybody do that while we're talking. Yeah, so, but, you know, I'm, I'm out in the public, so that, that comes with it. One of the privileges, right? Well, um, it's an honor, I should say. Okay, yeah. so before we get to any of the other stuff that we just talked about, Defensive Player of the Year, the Super Bowls, all of that, this is the 50th anniversary of a moment in time that you actually called one of the most magical moments you ever experienced. Can we start with the Immaculate Reception? Uh, what, what an awesome um, 
event. Um, did you play. actually see it, Mel? Did you actually see it? Do you remember where you were on the sidelines? Of course, I. You know, I saw everything except the catch. <laughs> I saw I saw Tatum hit Frenchie, and I saw the ball fly, and the next thing I saw was Franco running, and. And I can remember, I can actually see it as if it happened yesterday. It, it's just an amazing, and here we are 50 years later, and a lot of people still debating whether or not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but you know, Franco's adding to that. We yeah. saw Franco at induction. Yeah. And I was with him and Fred Boletnikoff. Right. We're talking about whether this is really a catch. <laughs> and Franco now loves to play it up. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, him and uh, the linebacker, uh, Bill Bill Piano. Yeah. I, I think every year they <laughs> I think they get together and they talk about this play. I remember John Madden uh, when he went into the Hall of Fame and some kind of way this that play came up and it changed his whole personality. <laughs> I mean he was he was livid. I mean, I don't think he I think he took that to his grave. I really do. Did I ever tell you that story? So when we were at the hall together this past year, we were talking to Fred Boletnikoff, Franco Harris, and I said to Boletnikoff, who of mm. course is the Hall of Fame wide receiver of the Raiders, right. we're joking, is that actually really a catch? Because he should know yeah. above anybody what's a catch. And I said to him, I said, you know, all these years later, you look back mm. and you say, this was a catalyzing moment for a milestone organization yeah. in the National Football League. This is one of those moments that people have and will talk about forever. Right. Is there a piece of you that feels excited that you were a part of that? He says to me, <laughs> no. <laughs> he goes, Al would roll over in his grave if yeah, I said that. I know. 50 years later, the man's bothered by it. Yeah, but on the other hand, Guys like myself and all the Steelers, man, we're glad. I mean, we can we can tell our kids, our grandkids, hey, I was on that team. I was a part of that. I was on the sideline. Did it really make that much of a difference? You think winning that game oh, is no really question. what changed fortunes? It, no, it changed. It changed everything about the Steeler organization. Our, I'm, I'm talking about from Chuck Noll to but how? the player. Mel, how can one play? I mean, because the next week you ultimately lost to the Dolphins. How does one play? You had all those players. Those players were all there. Yeah. All of you. Those There were 19 Hall of Famers playing in that game. Yeah. At least half of them were on your side. More well, than half. Let me, tell you, let me tell you how and why it changed. Uh, number one, when you play at that level, it's all about confidence. That, that play gave us confidence. We experienced something that we had never, and also that the Steeler organization had never experienced, and that was getting in the playoffs. And, you know, that was a, that was a playoff game that got us into the AFC Championship. And, yeah, we lost, but you know what? You were better. We were better because of it, because what that did, it, it told us, that we can compete at a high level and we can be in the playoffs. Because when you look at the game against Miami, we were in that game until, you know, we had a, um, Larry uh, Seipel had a, a fake punt. It changed the game. But we still, we still were in that game and we competed. And we came back the next year, we got to the playoffs again, but we lost. 
But the following year, which was 1974, we went all the way to the Super Bowl. So that changed the mindset of the whole steel organization. And it gave us a taste of something that the organization had never had. And that, that was what playoff football was all about and that experience. Was Chuck Knoll any different the following year? I think Chuck, he was always an even kill guy, but I think Chuck realized what he needed to do to get us ready to get over the hump, and that, that was to get into the Super Bowl and win it. And when you think about it, we went four times, and we won all four of them. Yep, he did. So the Franco's play was the beginning of a whole new era for the Pittsburgh Steelers. And uh, I'm, I'm happy for Franco. I'm happy that they're celebrating uh, 50 years. I'm just glad that I'm around to be able to say, you know, I remember it. What, so what is it about Franco? There's so many great players on that team. And today it's been a point of conversation that Joe Green's number is retired. Yeah. Uh, Ernie Stoutner's number is retired. Right. And there are so many. Why not Jack Lambert? Why not Jack Ham? Why not Mel Blunt? Why not Lynn Swan? Why Franco? And yet there's no animosity. There's no bitterness. There's no, hey, why him? Yeah. Well, what is it about him? Well, first of all, Franco, and, and I tell people this all the time, he is the most genuine, the most decent human being that I've ever come across. Franco is a good man. He's a good person. But what Franco did for all of us was he, he convinced us that we could, we could win. And when you think about it, back in those days, running the football was everything. You had to run the football. I mean, we weren't throwing the football like they're throwing it today. I mean, you know, Franco get the ball, he might get 30 touches or 35 touches. And Bradshaw might throw the ball 10 or 15 times. So the running back, he was the key figure in any team. You have that many interceptions and your opponents were only throwing the ball 10 or 15 times a game? Well, you know... I had a lot of interceptions because, like I said earlier, I was competitive. <laughs> <laughs> okay, before we break. And uh, I was different. <laughs> well, that, we will get to that. I mean, they changed the game because yeah. of you. Okay, so one of the little-known stories, or maybe it's a little bit known, but one of the craziest offshoot stories of the Immaculate Reception is that the chief literally never saw it. Didn't see it. He figured his Steelers were losing yet again got himself in an elevator right and was in the elevator when the magic happened that's the story i mean um, i mean the elevator's in the hall the elevator panel is in the pro football hall of fame <laughs> because that's what the chief was looking at as opposed to the play so did you guys tease him about it like after the fact was that a story not really but we had heard i mean all of us heard the story that he he was in the elevator. He never knew what happened. He heard the roar of the crowd, but he didn't know what happened. But he was he a guy that would walk through the locker room? Like, you never said to him, Chief, you missed it? <laughs> no, we never said that. <laughs> <laughs> that wasn't a thing. <laughs> no, that wouldn't be the thing to say. <laughs> but 
you know, it's but there there's a guy who for forty some years had been losing. And he just hung in there and hung in there and, and like you say, one of the greatest uh, the greatest player in the history of sports happened while he was leaving thinking his team had lost. <laughs> That's a great. It's a great story, but it's a true story from what I understand. You know the well, the two things that are in the Hall of Fame from the Immaculate Reception that mm. I think are just. I mean, you can put jerseys, you can put helmets, you can put cleats, but the elevator panel that the Chief Art Rooney was stuck in yeah. is in the Hall of Fame, and that little piece of carpet where Franco allegedly caught the ball is in the Hall of Fame. Well, see, now you're telling me something that that's, that's news to me. I you didn't, didn't know, know that? I'm in the Hall of Fame, but I never knew that the oh, elevator panel. This, <laughs> this is the greatest story. So Franco's sitting in his house, and he opens up the newspaper, and he sees that they're ripping up that whatever it was that you played on. When you turf, walk on it, the field was, turf right now, yeah. do you feel like, oh, my goodness, my, uh, I would have played 20 years if this is know, what I played on? I can't, I can't even imagine how we last as long as we did. As you did on that with, carpet. With the carpet. Yes. Under the carpet was concrete. <laughs> so Franco crazy. opens the newspaper. Yeah. He sees that at Three Rivers Stadium, they're cutting up that carpet and putting in a new turf. And he says, oh, my gosh, I should get down there and get where I caught the ball. Yeah. And he finds an old newspaper clipping, so he knows exactly where he is. He races down to Three Rivers Stadium. Mm. And the crew, the way he tells the story, had just taken their lunch break, five yards shy of where he had caught the ball. Is that right? And he takes a little exacto knife. He cuts up this little piece of turf. He rolls it up. He sticks it in his garage. And a few Franco decades, did that. <laughs> and a few decades later, he gives it to the Pro Football Hall of Fame. That is amazing. Let's see. I hadn't heard that story. But you know, I did hear that the ball, the the actual ball, someone else has it. And they can't. Oh, I don't know where the ball is. Yeah, some guy has it and have, it, and I think they've offered him all kind of money for it, but he won't. He won't release the ball. Whoever it is. Yeah. That's so, sad. You I know. know. So the ball is not in the Hall of Fame, but every the the elevator and the turf. <laughs> Franco. <laughs> yeah. How many of your interception balls do you have? Um, oh, I don't know. Um, not all of them. Oh, you don't? No, no, I don't. Do have you at least have four? I mean, do you have enough for your children? Oh yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, but I don't have all fifty-seven of them. <laughs> what about your fumble recovery f- for touchdowns? There's two of them. Is that right? I don't know. Why are you asking me? <laughs> <laughs> you don't remember these stats. That's a good sign, Mel. All right.